now we're going to turn to scripture for this day. Comes to us from the Gospel of John. I want to give you a a few words about the Gospel of John before we uh, move into the passage for this morning. So there's four Gospels. Um, They're the stories, they're the books in the Bible that tell us the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John stands alone in the way it's written, the way it tells Jesus' story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they're so much alike. They're the same. They tell many of the same stories. We find Jesus' teaching there most often in these terse verses or in parables. The gospel writer John uses long soliloquies of Jesus and paints in bold, big statements the story, the life of Jesus. It is only in the Gospel of John do we hear the seven great I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. You may have heard some of these. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. This last one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower, are the opening words to chapter 15, which we are going to hear our passage from this morning. There are four chapters, like the Gospel of John is 20 chapters long, a little bit more, 21. And one-fifth, one-fifth of that whole book are the words of Jesus in a very short amount of time. John tells us that this is what Jesus said between the time of the washing of his disciples' feet on the night we call Holy Thursday until his time in the Garden of Gethsemane. John tells us that these are the broad and sweeping statements of Jesus. The context to the verses we're going to hear this morning, I think, are so important. Because Jesus here speaks about being rooted firmly and deeply in the commitment to the one that he called Father. That our obedience and service is primarily to be not to a government or a political party or to any kind of social allegiance. But our primary identity, our primary obedience is to God's commandments. That's big, right? That is really big. So, here we are. I want to read you just a couple verses that will set us up for the verses for this morning. But this comes from John 15, beginning with verse 9. And Jesus says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be complete. and that you, So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so our passage for this morning begins with verse 12. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer 
because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, God, help us take in your word this morning. Let it sink into us, into our spirits, into our lives, that we are to abide in your love. Open us to whatever it is you would have us know this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And hearing these words this morning from the Gospel of John, we're transported back. 2,000 years, to this night that we call holy, Jesus and his disciples in the upper room. It's interesting, the Gospel of John doesn't give us the Last Supper. There's no mention of that, uh, this is my body, but rather what John tells us happened on that night was that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. So we hear these words following that act of servanthood. These disciples that Jesus had with him were not chosen for their stellar resumes. These weren't necessarily the brightest of the bunch. These were not necessarily any better than anyone else. We know that they were quite common people, a few fishermen, even a tax collector thrown in. It's almost as if Jesus chose these disciples to show us that anyone Anyone could be a follower of Jesus. We don't need to have any special qualifications other than that we listen and that we follow. Here, this morning, we hear again Jesus say, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And at first, right, the feeling is so warm and fuzzy. God is love. We think of our, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, our children's songs. Kind of think in our day of all kinds of uh, heart emojis, if it was being sent to us in a text. But then the disciples, and now us, have to really think about these words. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. I mean, the disciples have seen the way that the Father loved Jesus. They've seen that kind of love revealed in him. They've been astounded by Jesus' intimacy with God. How, how, um, what scripture tells us is that Jesus could call God Abba, that familiar term, Daddy, this closeness. But in those three years that they'd been together, they also saw and felt They also witnessed what God's love looked like, lived out in Jesus' life. Was it the Father's love that, as one writer says, pushed Jesus out of the comfortable confines of heaven, down into earth? Where he arrived as a baby with Herod out to kill him? 
the Father's love. 30 years later, this love sent Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days where he was under assault by Satan. The Father's love pressed Jesus into conflict with those who were super pious and even the violent bureaucrats who plotted to kill him. Well, yeah. The Father's love provided him with friends and disciples, sometimes loyal and wise, but other times we know, not so much. Other times clueless and self-centered, like any of us might be. How did the Father love Jesus? What did it look like? What did Jesus' life look like? It was peril at every turn. There were demons to be cast out. There were the sick pulling on him. There were crowds pressing on him. There's that story of, of the woman pulling on his garment, hem of his garment. We're told that he had no roof over his head and that he faced an inconceivably tragic death. So maybe, if we were real honest, we, like the disciples, might wish that Jesus had said something else. Maybe he would have said, as the Father has loved me, well, I'll spare you of that. I'll love you differently. I'll let you live on the island of ease. I will weave a spell of protection around you. You will face no suffering. You will be asked no sacrifice. You will do what you want when you want. But no. That has never been the word of Jesus. That has never been the call on our lives. It seems that Jesus' words of love are the same as the Father's. We will always be loved. If we abide in Jesus' love, God's love, the Father's love, we may lose a few things along the way. We may battle some serious devils. People may wrinkle their brows at us and be totally puzzled by our commitments and concerns. Maybe we won't get ahead in the world. Maybe we will be catapulted into serving in daunting places. This morning we recognize that that has happened and is true for our servicemen and women that their willingness to serve has taken them to dangerous places. We remember them. We honor them. We have also remembered and honored in this last stretch of time, which continues on, our health care workers who continue to work in hospitals and care facilities, who continue to care for people no matter what their status is when they came in. When we think of daunting and dangerous places, we think of our missionaries. Persons who have worked in the United Methodist Committee on Relief in dangerous places. I think of all the work we've done collectively as a United Methodist denomination in places around the world with, with health care and providing clean water. I think of caregivers. And when I look out, I know that many of you are those people. People who have day by day cared for another, a child, a parent, a sibling, a neighbor who is sick. It is not what you feel like doing every day. And maybe, maybe you're one of those who's never had a thank you or a word of glory 
whether you be a veteran again or a healthcare worker or a caregiver. So this morning we say thank you for all the ways that you have cared for others and have made God's love real. But it's only possible. This is what the word says. This is what the Bible tells us is that this is only possible if we are rooted and grounded in love, if we abide in this kind of love. Because in this whole long passage, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then, and then goes on and says, you are my friends. No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. He doesn't say you've earned it. You're so fabulously faithful that I'm now going to call you a friend. No, he said, that's what I, I chose you, to be my friends, disciples then and disciples now. Now, when I think about friends in the way we, friends are people in our time that we love, that we share common interest with. Maybe you go out to lunch or give them a call or go hunting or whatever you do. Friends are folks you have something in common with and care for. But I didn't know this. I didn't know this till I read this this week. That in Jesus' day, coming out of the Greek philosopher Aristotle, a friend was someone who helped you be wise or good. Wow. Hmm. Because we've actually known friends who led us astray, right? We've actually known people that we called friends who've done just the opposite, whether we were kids or grown-ups. So, hmm. So a friend is someone who helps us be wise or good. That's what Jesus is telling us, that he'll be our friend. He's going to help us be wise and good. Hundreds of years later, in the 1800s, Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said that to love another person is to help that person love God. And to be loved is to be helped in loving God. So this combination of what we are to be to one another, that our love manifests itself in a friendship that helps us grow closer and to be more rooted in God. Because we need that help, right? Whether we're veterans, whether we're, again, service people, each of us here in one way or other, we need help. <laughs> we need the friendship of Jesus. Jesus, the ultimate friend. And the wonder is, again, is that Jesus doesn't expect his disciples to prove their worth. I'm glad of that. He simply declares that we are his friends if we listen and if we follow. And then Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that we would lay down that he would lay down his life for his friends. The disciples didn't know that was happening that very next day. The disciples didn't know how that story would end, but we do. We know that Jesus suffered terribly. And, and, we also know that God would not leave his only beloved son that one that he loved, his friend in the grave, that there would be a resurrection, that there would be a resurrection that would change the whole world and our lives as well. 
It's a story we mostly hear right at Easter time. This story of the resurrection, but we remember that this morning. That this greater love to lay down one's friends is manifested in so very many ways. But it all springs from, grows out of, abides in the story of Jesus. Friends, let us abide in that love that we might go forth to serve one another. Amen.